For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm the sad, dejected, crumbling husk that is Jay. Oh, come on, Jay. The Winnipeg third jersey isn't that bad. Oh, it's terrible, Peter. It it has no place in their history. It's I, I, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a, like a... It's like an ice cream flavor wrapper. It's awful. It's like Cornetto made their own jersey. No offense to Edgar Wright. I love you. Cornettos are fun. So does that mean that there's going to be three of them? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There, there, there really should be. But uh, okay. So, um, so for those of you, for those of you uh, listening at home, we have a jam-packed episode for you. Um, we have had a lot of hockey news happening. Uh, so much, in fact, that there are some relatively big stories that we're not going to be able to talk about today, just uh, because of time. So. Um, here, here's our rundown for today, right? So we're going to start off with the Eric Carlson trade and the Tyler Sagan extension. Um, and then we're going to move into what would have been, uh, you know, the, the, the top story in pretty much any other week, uh, or, or two week period, which is, uh, Steve Eiserman stepping down from, uh, Tampa Bay as their general manager. And there is obviously rampant speculation that he is going to, um, come to Detroit. So everybody's, uh, you know, wondering about that. So we'll talk about that. Uh, then we have an interview with Katie Strang, uh, and we recorded the interview a few days ago. So we recorded it before a lot of this stuff happened, uh, before the Carlson extension or the Carlson trade, the Sagan extension. Uh, so basically we did talk about, uh, the Iserman, uh, story a little bit in there. Uh, Long but, story you know, short, we, yeah. we did this too early. So <laughs> yeah. or forgive, like you said, well, we're, we're going to roll back the clock a couple of days when we talk to Katie. So for any segment that happens either before or after the, the Katie strength, I just know that she shares exactly our, our same thoughts and has no, and has nothing different to add other than she agrees with everything we say. I'm sure exactly. that will be, I'm sure that won't be a problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. Um, and so after the interview, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the Winnipeg third Jersey, just because, you know, we kind of want a little bit of a palate cleanser from all this uh, kind of hard hitting news. And, um, you know, that's this kind of our brand to uh, to talk about jerseys and have Jay talk for 25 minutes about the piping and then <laughs> me basically say it looks ugly or it looks nice. Uh, and then we are going to close out with uh, the, the the saddest news in, in some time, although it's 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 not very surprising, but it's still it's still sad that it's happening. Uh, so Henrik Zetterberg is going to uh, retire long term injured reserve retire. Uh, he is going to stop playing. Uh, professional hockey um, again, again, you know, it's, it wasn't a huge surprise, but at the same time, it's still obviously a very sad thing. So, so we are going to talk about it. So if you're listening and you're wondering why we're not talking about that, we will, we're, we're just going to close the show by talking. Don't about that. worry. Exactly. Be happy. Um, as a, uh, as, as somebody once said in my childhood uh, on the radio <laughs> repeatedly. So, all right. So first of all, we have uh, finally the the Eric Carlson trade has happened. It's it's actually happened, and it's you know we're 
we've been waiting for such a long time. We've been waiting for such a long time for this this trade to happen. And it turns out from by looking at the return, it turns out that the the holdup was that um, San Jose Sharks general manager Doug Wilson was busy trying to get his copy of NHL 18 installed so that he could make this offer. <laughs> because if, if you've ever played these games, it was a very EA Sports NHL trade where it's basically like we've, we've talked about this before. You know, you're like, I want to trade for Connor McDavid. Will you take Dylan Larkin? No. Well, what about if I add a first round pick? No. What about a first round pick and a second round pick? And you just basically keep adding things. Uh, I know my, my go-to move is throwing in uh, Franzen because he is still eligible in the game. Uh, and actually it's, it's kind of weird seeing him play against you uh, in like a franchise mode, but yeah. So, Jay, the uh, the return on this, even though he has not signed an extension, right? So as of right now, it is still just a rental. But no matter what, the return on this is pretty not good. Uh, so so what did you think of this trade? What did you think of, um, you know, basically what Ottawa ended up getting out of this? It was funny because for a moment there, I thought you were saying Doug Wilson was trying to beat everybody else in how much garbage can I offload? Because <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't think I need to really add anything to the conversation other than what other people have already said, which is it is a dog crap return. And, you know, there's the there is the uh, my, I think my favorite uh, recycled uh, uh, comparison or observation from the internet has been, well, obviously he had to fleece him earlier in the summer so that he could fleece him later in the summer. That's exactly what had to happen. Um, well, it, it, it reminds me of the old adage, you can uh, you can shear a sheep many times but only skin him once. I think that this trade disproves that because uh, <laughs> Wilson has definitely skinned, uh, skinned Peter, uh, Pierre Dorian uh, at, at least once recently. So he's returned to the scene of the crime and he's found a sheep with no hair. And yet somehow he has still managed to make a trade happen. I, the, 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 the metaphor kind of fell apart at the end. You <laughs> I get the idea. Well, it's fine because again, what we're, what we're dealing with, as you already stated is completely incredulous and it's not supposed to work as a guy who was playing uh, one of the earlier iterations of NHL and a trade Proposal from the computer, mind you. I did not initiate this. I looked in my general manager's inbox, and it was the Flyers asking me for Kirk Maltby and Chris Draper and a pick for Daniel Briere. And at that time, this is when Daniel Briere was still very good. Yeah. And so, like any good GM, I don't look a gift horse in the mouth, and I in the mouth, and I accept it. And the game. Like like an undercover cop is like, you idiot, you stupid idiot. Why would you even try this trade? Get out of my house. Go away. You totally fell for it. Ooh, look at your face. You're so stupid. Mm. I was like, what on earth? Why would that? When did the game become self-aware to the point where it's now um, trolling me with fake trade proposals? And then it's like, I can't believe you would even broach this deal. This will seriously hurt our relations moving forward. I'm like, you asked. <laughs> You asked. I, I like so, I like how I'm saying that in the in our patented Max Bowman. It flies, Craig. It flies, kind of voice. But yeah, oh, it's, it's 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 obnoxious. And um, 
I expect Doug Wilson's statue to be finished by the end of the week. I mean, um, just for our listeners at home, if you have not, uh, if you've not seen the return, uh, basically uh, they traded Carlson and Francis, uh, Francis Perron, um, who is not going to be a, a, uh, you know, important piece of this trade, Uh, but the sharks are going to send them a first round pick in 2020, a second round pick in 2019, Chris Tierney, Dylan DeMello, Josh Norris, and Rudolph's Bowsers, which I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced that that's just a name they made up because they're like, they're like, we need another guy. They're like, uh, Rudolph's Bowsers. (laughs) Send. (laughs) And, um, so, uh, uh, for uh, former and future uh, for sure guest Matt Cain had a great tweet about this where after the trade happened, uh, Corey Pronman, another former for sure guest, he uh, posted his uh, his Sharks farm system right up. And as he said, just reposting my Sharks farm system right up for no particular reason. And as Matt Cain pointed out that uh, Pronman rated them as having the 17th best farm system and the, the two players that they gave up, like the two biggest players they gave up in terms of prospects were the fifth and sixth best players on his list. So yeah, <laughs> didn't really give up too much, especially because, you know, picks, I mean, San Jose is always picking, you know, at the end of the round. So it's not, uh, not the same as, you know, uh, Detroit giving up a first round pick. Right. So yeah, so unfortunately, uh, I, I found out that a disproportionate number of my friends are Senators fans, which is which is strange. Like some of my hockey analytics fans, uh, hockey analytics friends are Senators fans, and so I feel a little bad for them. But um, yeah, I just remember this happening, and I was like, and and what else? Like what what <laughs> what, what more has happened? Oh no! Oh okay. Well, that's not good. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, it. it- from the uh, confines of this, the state of Michigan, watching everything happening, going down in Ottawa, it was kind of like watching it happen far away and in slow motion. So um, I feel bad for Brian Five or Six. I feel bad for Bonks Mullet. I feel bad for uh, a number of other Sens luminaries. And I don't know. I'm Peter, this type of trade is once again opened up a very big philosophical question for me, which is at what point do hockey fans break, right? <laughs> at what, what, what exactly would it take for either an entire fan base or at least a very large chunk of the league's following to just, you know, just turn, just turn it all, just pack it in, just fold it up. I'm like we're done, and I don't know from from the from the Melnick side. I mean, they said every platitude that we've all heard before. This sets us on the right direction. This puts us in the right path towards to compete. You know, the goal has always been for the Stanley Cup. Blah 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 blah. You know, there there's nothing new happening here. It's oh yeah, we're rebuilding. Well, mm-hmm. they're like the, the the direction and the excitement about the rebuild can actually be a thing instead of like yeah, we're just gonna trade away a generational talent and we're just going to try and try again. It's like, dude, yeah. how this, the, it's the, I feel like that's like, think of how Buffalo is feeling right now by getting uh Darlene, right? They're like, okay, the cornerstone, 
I mean, yeah. Eichel was supposed to be the cornerstone, but then they've screwed around a bit, and then they decided to lose a bunch, and now they have Darlene. So it's like, okay, so now Eichel and Darlene, and then they're, they made some other nice moves as well. You know, that's, the, that's your turning point because, yes, you have the people to build around. The Senators had the person to build around, but they not only, like, alienated him, but then they, they, then they do this to their completely, um, like, their families. I, I, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario is lucky that they <laughs> are in Ontario, Ontario which, okay, I'm, I'm, I know I'm probably earning the ire of some Canadian listeners just as I earn the ire of some Swiss and uh, Netherlands listeners <laughs> in, our, in our season. I've forgotten here, about that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm. If there are Lickbos in in uh, Ottawa, great. If they aren't, you know, haven't helped them because they're missing out on on, on a windfall of service and cash. Because I don't know. I, I, Pete, looking at this, I don't know what they have. I don't know how long it's going to take to get them back to somewhere square. What it was, what even. We're, they had a Hamburglar. They had Carlson. They had all these flashes of like, okay, so maybe it's da da da. This like, this one really screws them over. <laughs> and it's like it is you like you look at it, you're like, wow. It's it's like the end. It's the it's the greediest people in the world when they looked at Enron and were like, wow, that's really greedy. <laughs> credit to yeah. uh, credit to Lewis Black for that platitude. That was uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's like two years ago. Eric Carlson and Craig Anderson basically single-handedly carried the Ottawa Senators to within one goal of the Stanley Cup final. And Ottawa's reaction, their management's reaction was, um, all right, so let's alienate him. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's make him not want to play here. That's, uh, you know, well, I mean, maybe, maybe for Ottawa's sake, maybe we might end up looking back on this and saying, um, hey, well, you know, one of those draft picks actually did develop into a franchise defenseman. I mean, of course, they could have just kept their franchise defenseman if they had played their cards a little bit differently. But yeah, what can you do? Um, speaking of quarterstone players that have uh, somehow been traded in the past or the present, uh, Tyler Sagan has uh, signed an extension with the Dallas Stars and he has signed an extension for eight years, 78 Point eight million dollars total, uh, and the the Dallas Stars decided to announce this with uh, the, the, this news with one of the one of the more interesting and creative ways, which is not something you typically say about hockey or the <laughs> NHL. Uh, one of the more interesting and creative ways to announce a an extension. So, Jay, what did they do? What did they do here, Pete? You. Why would I rob you of that which you already know you want to say? I, I have to, I, you have to say it. You are, I can't follow that up. You gave it the perfect intro. Just say it. Okay, so, <laughs> um, so their their uh, extension announcement was a parody of a Super Mario Brothers game where uh, he basically Mario goes through and just like shoots fireballs at all the different logos of other teams um, and. You know, so so they so they announced this extension through a uh, a parody video game, which, as you've heard, Jay and uh, Jay and I talk about our love for video games. This obviously was something that we thought was fantastic. And um, as I alluded to before, the NHL is almost never fun, and so it was nice to see somebody be fun, right? Um, 
just just backtracking just for a second one of the things i love uh and i know we talked when we talked to c about this we talked about uh just how fun the san jose sharks mascot uh twitter account is and like that is that is fantastic so it's nice to see i mean number one this is this you know this 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 seems definitely like a good deal for dallas barring any kind of you know catastrophic injury or or any kind of unseen unseen um outcome it seems like it's going to be a good deal for them because he is a you know he's obviously a, a fantastic player um he scored almost almost uh, a point a game last year including 40 goals which is obviously you know pretty incredible uh according to the reuters article in the last five seasons with dallas he played in 387 games and scored 384 points so again almost a point a game uh pretty rare in the nhl so Dallas definitely got a good bargain here, even though they paid a lot of money. But, you know, he's one of those players that you want to make sure that you can keep on your team. Um, so, Jay, uh, do you have any any other thoughts on this uh, this extension other than uh, this kind of takes away the pipe dream of maybe he might sign with uh, a certain Detroit area team uh, next year? Um, I'm actually kind of mad that this was how it was uh, resolved because uh... – the Sagan earlier uh, in the summer had uh, made made a comment about the current negotiations with the team. It was it was basically to the effect of like, yeah, you know, it just kind of stinks. We haven't talked about it yet, and that obviously set a, a, a chunk of the uh, hockey community aflame a bit. Of oh, geez, uh, is this not going to happen? Is is someone gonna hit the market? And then it just shows. Oh, okay. They, they, they. We did it. We resigned him. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the uh, Return of the Jedi Family Guy spoof that happened, where it's just Peter and Brian just nodding at each other before they're about to hit Boba Fett, but then they turn around and he's gone. And like the tied up guard is like, "Yeah, he fell. Yeah, he <laughs> he fell into the pit. Yeah, he's dead." <laughs> it's like, oh man, that wasn't. That wasn't what we were trying to do. We were trying to do this other thing. It's like, no, no, he's he's dead. It's it's down. So, <laughs> so congrats to Tyler. That's that's a that's a heck of a payday. Um, I I I really hope that there's um, some random reason why you get moved because that would just make looking back on this much more fun. But if you just decide to have a blue collar work ethic of just showing up every day for the next eight years for, for the stars. Right. Good on you. Congratulations. Okay. So, um, before we get to the interview with Katie Strang, we want to take some time to talk about, and like I said, like we, we did talk with her a little bit about this. Um, but we wanted to take some time to talk about, um, another huge story. Uh, this one was definitely unexpected. Uh, I mean the, the Eric Carlson trade had, you know, it was in the cards for a long time and it seemed pretty likely it was going to happen at some point. But this this next piece of news uh, caught everybody pretty much uh, by surprise. Uh, and I'm, of course, talking about uh, Red Wings legend and uh, formerly current uh, general, <laughs> uh, general manager for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Steve Eiserman, uh stepping down. And apparently this is something that had been talked about internally for a long time or not, not a long time, but you know, it wasn't just like they decided this yesterday. Um, and um, so he's going to step down and he's going to serve as a, uh, like an advisor. He's going to be in an advisory role. Um, but as we saw with uh, 
who is it? Uh, I think Lou Lamorello did this right where he uh, he moved into an advisory role and then he moved into the GM of their team role. So I don't think anybody thinks that that's going to happen in, w- with that amount of speed. But um, so so let me just ask you, Jay, like, how did you feel when you heard this news? <laughs> It is all happening as I have foretold. <laughs> that, that, is, that is how I felt. I will go on several records saying, when Steve Eiserman left, because it didn't look like he had anything more to learn and also didn't have anywhere else to go within the Wings organization because Holland didn't want to give up the position. Jim Nill was solidly under contract. They weren't going to let him go. So the Red Wings did the friendly and professional courtesy of letting Eiserman, hey, listen, if you can't get it, sorry we don't have anything open now, but you can pursue opportunities elsewhere. I'd like to think that maybe that conversation also ended with, but we'd really like you to come back someday, but we don't know. So Eiserman heads south, orchestrates and builds this phenomenal product in Tampa Bay does what most teams wish they could have done, which was sign Steven Stamkos for a very long time. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, and not only that, do it just before the, uh, the, the market opens. So he doesn't, he doesn't even touch free agency. It, like, it, like Steve Eisenman just like at the last second is like, you know what? I don't think I, I don't think what you're looking for is out there. I think you should stay here. And mm-hmm. uh, so Eisenman did a lot of phenomenal things, but in the back of my mind, through all the things that had been happening, for everything he did in Tampa, my heart of hearts, I knew the drive and chance of him coming back to Detroit was strong because, you know, he had a, he has a home here still. He made the commute a bunch. He didn't, like, make his own, you know, he didn't move everybody to Tampa. He didn't do anything to um, give, he didn't move his daughters, like, there are there the signs were all there, Peter. And if anybody else wants to take credit for it, too bad because I took credit for it. Doesn't matter. So uh, <laughs> seeing it happen, yeah, I was really I, don't get me wrong. It was, I was surprised by it. I can still be surprised about something I know was going to happen because that there there's a scene in the much maligned but still kind of fun sequel, Thor: The Dark World, where Doctor Selvig is uh, reunited with Thor. And at this point, Selvig is recovering from being possessed by Loki and is now in an insane asylum being drugged up into so many uh, different states of consciousness that he's not really the same person. But when Thor comes back, it's as if it validates everything that Selvig had gone through. So there's this really cool scene where he has this bag of pills and he throws it in the trash and Thor's like, what's what's going on? What's, what's changed? And Selvig's like, Thor, nothing is more sobering than finding out you were right. And that's the way I felt when they said, hey, he's, uh, he's stepping down. He's going to be an advisor. And um, I'm really excited. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use actually a, uh, a double uh, entertainment reference. Mm. So the, the way I felt about this is because for the longest time, people have been speculating about this. And... While I didn't think it was like, okay, this is the this is the craziest idea in the world. Like, like I could understand their logic. Like, like it made sense. But it was always like, but he he has a job in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, he has built this team. 
their their window is is wide open like the opening oh yeah it is like the the championship winds are blowing through this exactly (laughs) it is like the furthest open that a window can possibly be right um it's almost so open it's closed again and (laughs) you know so because of this i was like well i mean he's gonna stay in tampa i mean at least until they win you know you like you figure that that makes the most sense and so i kind of feel seeing this news I, i kind of felt like at first, I was watching the um, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia with Charlie with the red strings and the photographs, right? <laughs> and like, like that's what I thought initially. Yep. And then, like, I kind of sat there with my cup of coffee, um, as if I were uh, Chaz Palminteri <laughs> from the Usual Suspects, and I'm sitting there, and I I start to follow the red strings from uh, from thumbtack to thumbtack, and looking at the photos and reading the uh the handwritten scrawling and uh it started to start to make sense and so um <laughs> i i realized that i definitely owe some people an apology for uh for not thinking you know uh not thinking that this was as much of a possibility as it seems to be now to be fair we definitely have to we, we would be remiss if we didn't point out that this does not necessarily mean that he will inevitably be the general manager or in another position with the Detroit Red Wings. It does, however, seem to mean that the chances of that happening have gone up pretty astronomically uh, since last week. Yeah. 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 We're talking about burying the needle in terms of, of, of how this could actually materialize into being a thing. And the other indicator about this peter is that press conference good lord what a clinic in non-committal answers right it was a it was a tour de force of saying absolutely nothing to to, to tip your hand even though the evidence around you is clearly pointing to to a more than uh, obvious uh, conclusion uh i don't you know this and this is no slight to to Brisebois and 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 the ownership at the lightning i think that they know what eisman has done for uh for them has set them up in a phenomenal position but there also is the quality of life angle that uh other people have been citing that you know eisman is is older and wiser but he's you know it, the the years have gone have flown by we all know how that can help how that can help or hinder somebody and if he's making that commute all the time, that's going to drag on you. That's going to, it's going to catch up. We all know this. Sure. So even if this just is a, I'm going back to Detroit because, yeah, I think I've done what I've done, right? And and I'm trying to figure out, I can't remember who said it, but they were saying how, like, theoretically, Eisenman doesn't need to come back. He's already solidified his place in the history of this franchise and the history of this city. He almost doesn't need to do anything. But, you know, when you think about, you know the it's the like the, I remember that that Anchorman two trailer like the greats they always come back Michael yeah. Jordan Jay Z right and yeah. so here's all these things are it's almost d- double answers where it's like yes I would like to go home because I'm tired I could also be going back to the Red Wings yes I'm going back home I've done enough here yeah but I would also like to do more in the room with the Red Wings so there's there's a lot that can be can. Uh, can, can be gleaned from his behavior, but then 
you know, there are so there are so many outs. It's like an, it's like a game of Clue. It's like Iserman in the mitten with yeah. the contract extension. I don't well, know. I mean, I mean, I was thinking like as a high school English teacher, I wish that my students paid as close attention uh, to the books that we read as uh, Internet sleuths on Twitter due to uh, <laughs> the parsing of his word choice uh, yep. in, in these quotes where it's like, you know, Helene St. James had this quote where, uh, you know, it's like he uh, – uh, you know, he said to his players that he's going back home to Detroit or something like that. And I remember thinking, like, man, if if only like that that tweet came with like the little add-on. It's like, and then he looked to the side and he gave an exaggerated wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so like I said, by the time you listen to this, um, you know, rumors will still be happening. I mean, and and you never know. I mean, something else could happen in this story. I think it's I think it's highly unlikely that anything changes with his, uh, you know, his employment in, you know, at, at least through the end of this season, I think. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said before, we have um, we have a great interview for you uh, coming up with Katie Strang. Um Unfortunately, we, we weren't able to record as long as we as as we wanted to, as long as we normally like to, um, because we had to record a little bit later at night. And she, you know, has has this thing called a life with like a family and stuff uh, and responsibilities. Um, but, uh, Jay, do, do you want to share why uh, why this took why we didn't quite have the time? I'm not sure if you've gotten this out of your system yet. <laughs> I uh, I just think that if you're a restaurant you should bring the food out in a timely manner and not treat people as if they don't have important internet interviews with sports journalists that are just really good. So I obviously could scream about it, but I already mentioned it in our interview. So, you know, yeah, we, we usually, like, we've usually gone pretty long with our interviews. I think fans have known that, but, uh, it, it stinks that, um, circumstances beyond all of our control uh, uh, refuses. But that just means that we know we get to extend Katie an invite back because um, she just really doesn't have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like if you think about it, you know, like she really needs this publicity. So um, I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to provide it for her, you know, provide her with, you know, an outlet to share, you know, her thoughts and, and uh, you know, her journalistic uh, ideas. So anyway, uh, without further ado, here is the interview with Katie. And for our now uh, multiple Emmy, SB, Peabody, Pulitzer Award winning segment interviews with important hockey people. Uh, we are excited, elated. Uh, Peter has been beside himself for six months. And so I'm very excited to say that today's guest, we have Katie Strang. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she's had the most boring and uneventful summer in the history of sports journalism. Uh, you, if, for those of you who are actually under a rock, um, the, she is the managing editor and a senior writer at The Athletic Detroit. She joined The Athletic after six years at ESPN, where she held a variety of roles, including senior editor and writer covering the NHL and Major League Baseball. And whilst reporting on the NHL, she was a regular on the Hockey Today podcast and a contributor to SportsCenter. Her Twitter is, once again, Pete, our street continues of people who just get to have their names as their handles and not as some crazy thing like uh, like the shoestring budget or something like that. Uh, she is at Katie J. Strang. Uh, Katie, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, we we were hoping that um, at least something would have happened prior to uh, to our little uh, get together here, but um, you know, may, we might have to scrape the bottom of the barrel story wise to just uh, <laughs> stuff to talk about. Um, Pete, um, what what uh, can can we let, let's fire this? What are our mailbag questions? Can we start on one? Let's let's yeah. right off the shoot. Let's have a fan asking something because we know that we're going to dominate the rest of the interview, so we at least want to get other people in on the action. Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so our mailbag question, we have one from Mike Bremer. And so he asks, is the day-to-day pace of covering the New York teams noticeably different than Detroit? I am interested in hearing some insight on how the flow of covering individual teams differs. That's a really good question. Um, And I'm going to give sort of a convoluted answer only because my job description has been so different from place to place. So when I started in New York, I started as an Islanders beat writer, as females, um, at Newsday, and it was such a grind, right? And before that, I had I was a gen- what we call a general assignment reporter in New York, um, and so basically I would just parachute in and give beat writers a day off um, on, on any sport. So I did a lot of baseball, I did a lot of Mets, I did a decent amount of Yankees, I did some Jets, um, and you know the one thing that I'm very proud of about my career is that like I cut my teeth at a tabloid and at a major newspaper in New York, which was the most phenomenal training ground and experience. And if I had to tell you how many times I had to do stakeouts and sit outside for hours of the like hospital for special surgery in the town Manhattan waiting for Pedro Martinez to come out from a surgery or knock on Eric Mangini's door after he got fired. Um, it like, it really forced me sort of out into the wild of journalism and made me kind of, you know, get comfortable with being very awkward and uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so, so in that way, like New York is different, right? It's a tabloid culture. It's, um, you know, I think probably in some ways much more adversarial than working in Detroit. Um, but you know, my first true, exposure to working in Detroit was as a baseball writer, right? Mm -hmm. So I was a national hockey writer at ESPN. Um, I moved back home to Michigan. uh, And then I basically kind of just got foisted onto a baseball beat um, in in a very surprising, unexpected way. Mm -hmm. During the middle of the season, it was actually like two weeks after Dombrowski left. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the grind of a baseball season is totally different than hockey and it's very news driven and it's just day after day after day of availability in games. Um, so that is different as is sort of, I find like the general sort of voice and spirit of, um, newspapers in Detroit versus New York. And, um, so that was really interesting for me to kind of learn my place in the ecosystem there, which I felt um, you know, I, I kind of didn't quite understand right away. Um, and, and now it's sort of changed again, right? Because I'm not, I'm not covering a beat anymore. And that's allowed me to do more national and topic driven stories and investigative stuff, which is like totally in my wheelhouse. It's like definitely my jam. I love that stuff. Um, so now I'm kind of like transitioning back to what I was a bit more comfortable with. So there is, I mean, there's, marked 
you know, significant differences market to market. I would say baseball, no matter where you cover it, is a little bit more fast-paced. But I would say market-wise, New York is much more cutthroat, and I say that in the most positive way that, that you can mean. Right. I'm really glad you used one of my favorite terms in all of in all of uh, um, what's uh, maybe not made for it. Uh, maybe it's an anecdote. Uh, I'll figure out what it's called. But cutting teeth, thus implying that everyone is born with un unkempt, mangly teeth, and in order in order to progress in this life, they need to cut them on something. So, I'm I'm really glad that uh, that that happened. Um, so because we like to be a a, a current. Uh, podcast, we have to talk about some interesting news from today. Um, so, Katie, what do you think of the final culmination in the 10-year saga that has been Steve Eiserman slowly journeys back to the Detroit Red Wings? <laughs> um, wow, what a bombshell that was, right? Um, <laughs> yep. It, it's funny because Craig and I um, had a conference call today at The Athletic, um, you know, sort of an important one that was scheduled. Um, it has been on the calendar for a few weeks now that we had blocked out time for. And, like, two hours before that, the story breaks about, like, um, a new, like, very explosive lawsuit in the NASAR saga. And then the Stevie Y news, basically. <laughs> so we're like, wow, this could not come out of a worse time. But um, <laughs> oh, I was... I was I was absolutely um, shocked, just like everyone else in the hockey world. I haven't talked to one person that was like, yeah, no, I can definitely see that. But um, it, And I'm sort of naturally skeptical by nature, right? So when I saw that he was stepping down and taking some time away and, you know, was a little bit, sounded like he wanted to maybe take a step back from the travel. He's been commuting from um, Detroit for quite some time now. I was like, Really? Like, because that, that, that doesn't seem, you know, he, I think in ho- the hockey world, Steve Eiserman is very much revered and one of the most respected guys in hockey and is just seen as a workhorse and highly capable and competent. And so, you know, it, it was sort of strange to have this idea of him kind of dialing it back a notch. And the more I talked to people um, around hockey, I, I really did get that sense that reinforced that, you know, he, everything he does, he goes, you know, a hundred miles per hour and he's scouting in Syracuse and he's shuttling back and forth from Detroit to Tampa. And he's, you know, scouting within the organization and just devoting so much time that I think, you know, finally caught up with him and that he, you know, wanted to take some time off. I think it helps that he has such a capable, um, number two guy in Julian Brees was. And I think, I think Steve Eisenman is a very principled guy. And so I think, you know, assuming that there might have been some deal in the works of, about an extension, um, I think he'd be wary about taking Jeff Bennett's money if he, if he wasn't completely committed to doing it the way that he feels comfortable. Um, I will say that let's say he takes a, a season in, in more of an advisory role and a little bit more of a backseat and it's a little bit more sort of under the radar, would that make a transition a year from now to Detroit a little a, a lot more seamless? I actually think it would. Um, and less awkward and, and you know, I, 
that wouldn't shock me. I mean, I think everyone's expecting him to come back to Detroit. I think the sort of gravitational pull um, to get him back to Detroit will be exceptionally strong. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I I have to say that, uh, first of all, we are not saying that this is a done deal. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I laid the sarcasm down pretty thick there, but just in case people weren't uh, sure. Obviously, you know, uh, and, and in terms of press conferences, I, again, between the three of us, we have seen every shade of the, the, the atypical sports press conference, right? The, there's, there's the calm and collected, there's the outrageous, there's the emotional. So I would say on the, on the, on the rung of where this type of press conference goes, it's the, I think this, I think this press conference did everything and nothing. (laughs) It, It laid all the groundwork for something, but you don't know what it is. All you know is that something is happening right now, but it's not fully clear. So, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. He's, it, it, it is a, it's a, it's a surprising thing, but you, you have to think that there's something going on based on his track record. So like you said, it, it, it'll catch up to him at, you know, we're, we're all, we're, we're all being chased by time, right? I didn't mean to get philosophical there, but we are, <laughs> it's time is the, the companion that's with us all as Jean-Luc Picard said, but, um, Pete, what you, you've got something going on here and, um, I, I'm very anxious to hear what you got. Well, yeah, so I think it was back when, um, Katie, when you were doing the Nasser story, uh, that at that point, I mean, even before then, I definitely was, was, you know, thinking of having you on, you know, thinking of asking you to be on as a guest. But at that point, I was like, okay, like, you know, we definitely really need to, you know, to, to have her on to talk about some of these stories. And then it seems like, you know, between now and then, every time I'm like, oh, I'll ask about this, I'll ask about this. And like today, I just kind of had this like paralysis where I was like, so much to ask about. And um, so <laughs> I'm going to stick with with a story that I have found very interesting. Um, so I guess the question I have is, is like, it seems like, and, you know, and, and, and this can kind of go a lot of ways. You can definitely blame the NHLPA for their role in this. But it seems like the NHL is going to stick to its guns that nobody can prove 100% that concussions lead to CTE, right? You know, whatever. I forget exactly what their mm-hmm. standard line is, right? Um, so, you know, since you've you've done at least one in-depth article on this, I remember, um, do you think that's ever going to change? Do you think they're just going to just ride this out and just hope that it goes away? Uh, I mean, they can't. I think they are going to have to settle this. I, 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 it's very different, at least some cases. Now, I will say that the NHL is in a position of leverage right now in that they recently, you know, they're on the receiving end of a, of a pretty big legal win in terms of the class certification ruling. Um, however, that doesn't mean these are going to go away. I think that there are going to be plenty of cases with a ton of merit um, that have, you know, the ability to, you know, really, I, I, I think, optically hurt the NHL. And I think they're going to have to eventually settle these cases. So, listen, Gary Bettman is an attorney by trade. And so I think he argues this as an attorney would. Like when he, he reverts back to his sort of innermost like primal knowledge, which is his, you know, experience as a lawyer. And so I think, you know, sometimes that's his best asset, right? He is a brilliant man, whether you like him or not. But 
um, I think it can be short-sighted in the fact that when you look at something in terms of purely legal exposure, and when you make arguments purely based on the letter of the law, the human element um, can get lost in a lot. And, you know, Ken Dryden did sort of an op-ed for us that I thought was really wonderful, and I think what Ken captured very well, and he's a brilliant man in his own right, is that you don't, you know, we don't, you don't always need conclusive evidence to believe what your eyes are telling you and what, what is sort of the logical um, connection or next step, which is to say that, you know, head injuries and subconcussive impact and, and, you know, repetitive brain blows are not good for your health and can be very damaging. Um, so, you know, no, I, I think the longer they play this out in denying the, the connection, the more of a farce it becomes. And I think optically it will backfire and continue to backfire. Um, and I think the only way that this is resolved eventually is in settlement form. I, I, uh, yeah, that, that, Katie, I'm really glad that and Pete, bang, bang on question, pal. I'm I'm glad we we, we talked about that because especially thanks, thanks, with buddy. this going on, yeah. So, um, so so Katie, I I have a quick question that Pete was gonna to wrap this up. Do you we want we, we want to make sure that you can meet your appointments as well? I, I again apologize for a little bit of the delay here. Apparently, ravioli with three cheese is suddenly a, a rigorous problem. Um, no, that's okay. Okay, okay, fantastic. So. Um, I'm glad you brought up the concussion thing because it kind of leads into my other uh, – I've. it's kind of weird when you have – when you look at a league and see what their um, weakest pillars are. Um, I think obviously the – like concussions pretty much across the board for like any sport is kind of something to keep an eye on. But like I feel like the NHL has – so many, so many weaknesses that it, it just it, it boggles my mind that they still have fans. <laughs> but the, the the one thing I want to talk about in, in the same vein as as concussions and how the league handles them is uh, the article you were recently about that little tiny linchpin we like to call the collective bargaining agreement. So, um, <laughs> you know, I we, we are dealing with a year where Gary Bettman is being uh, put into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And uh, given the way the wind has blown the last few times, um, another like another lockout isn't just something where we're like, ah, it might happen, but I trust that they'll do it. No, no, it's it's uh, there's a very real chance that we're on the verge of adding another team, and then the league just completely decides to fold up, uh, camp for a year or more, depending upon how long this type of thing goes happen. So, in your opinion, with like, is there a if I know this is a kind of a weird thing because both things need because I feel like we're signing the Declaration of Independence and it's like okay so we're still we're still flawed but we'd still like to be independent here. If there was one thing that you wish the NHL would solve sooner, is it the concussion stuff or is it labor peace for oh gosh I don't know a quarter of a century? Um, I the concussion thing because I feel like people's lives hang in the balance and. You know, I, I mean, I think what settlements would provide is pro- probably not only proactive um, monitoring um, for people that have not been diagnosed with 
neurodegenerative um, brain disorders, but, um, you know, it, it can help, obviously, treat those that have. And so, you know, I, I think and I believe this, that, you know, we're seeing so much, such a cascade of the ill effects of, um, you know, head hits now. And I expect that as the game and players have only gotten faster, bigger, stronger, more skilled, um, and more effective, I think that's only going to continue. And that makes me really sad. Um, I think about players that, you know, I've covered and I worry about their safety, um, 10 years from now and 20 years from now. And, um, you know, I, I want those guys to, you know, feel like they have the sort of care that they need. And, um, that to me is the more pressing in a, in a sort of macro scale, obviously the more immediate I would say is, you know, the, the reopener on the CBA. Um, and I, you know, there, I, I think what the league is telling people both publicly and privately is that owners are fairly satisfied with where things are at with the CBA. And while I think that is true to some degree, Again, as I said, I'm a very skeptical person by nature, and Gary Bettman's three for three in lockouts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I believe in that sort of thing, that when someone tells you who they are, I believe them the first time. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go on his track record. I mean, each time he has, you know, engaged in a labor standoff with NHLPA, he has emerged with a better deal for his owners. And the fans always come back. So... Under that premise, yeah, I, I do think there's going to be another blackout. And maybe the NHL, you know, maybe they are not going to be the ones to trigger that. But here's the one thing. People are going to tell you in the next year or so um, that HRR is at 50-50 and optically for both sides. That, that seems pretty fair and equitable, right? But... Keep an eye on whether the NHL tries to codify the way HRR is defined in any significant way. Because while they might try to leave the the 50-50 shares intact, mm-hmm. um, if, if they change the way that HRR is defined, essentially that means manipulating the money in the pot. And so it effectively does mean a significant transfer of wealth. And I think if the, if they try to do that, there absolutely will be um, a lockout. I mean, players are still very cognizant. They have long memories of what happened in the last um, lockout in the significant concessions that they made. And so if there is any attempt to claw back quite a bit of money and there aren't compensatory benefits um, given as a trade-off, then you can bet that you know, we are in for another standoff. Thank you. That was the correct answer. No, that was, that was the correct answer. That was the absolute right answer because I've actually spoken to a couple of people who were, I posed that same question. They're like, oh yeah, I think the CBA. And I'm like, ooh, sorry. The answer was human health. <laughs> right. human health. We have a, actually, we have some lovely party. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So um, we're going to wrap up in just a second. Um, you know, I mean, there's, I say this a lot, but it's true every time. Like, I mean, we could, 
there's probably hours worth of questions that we could have. Um, so, you know, we'll definitely have to have you back on another time in the future. But um, I had a, um, uh, I was telling you before we started recording that um, this or today I listened to the your interview with um, or on on Craig Custance's podcast, The Full Sixty, and there was something in the beginning that made me made me think of this question. Right, so on there uh, you said the salad is a quote disappointing food. Um, so my question, <laughs> uh, so my question is, what are the top five disappointing foods? Oh, wow. You're really putting me out. I mean, oh. salad, definitely. <laughs> salad, um, those, like, I have kind of a hybrid category for salad, which is that, like, salad and sandwiches, I feel like, are re- so much better when made for you by another person than when you have it yourself. Okay. Um, so I don't know if that really falls into the same category, but top five disappointing <laughs> foods. Okay. <laughs> Can you give me a minute to yeah, absolutely brainstorm? Pete, Pete okay. is, is this the part oh, where we do um, the? Uh, is this the part where we do the Jeopardy theme music? We'll we'll drop that in and post. <laughs> no. Okay, I have some. I have okay. some. I have okay. some. Yeah. Birthday cake. Okay. Okay, I'm not a huge like I'm not a huge cake fan. Mm-hmm. I really like the like small little confetti lined one at Trader Joe's, which is what I'll mm-hmm. be getting my daughter. When she celebrates her second birthday this weekend, but by and large, I think birthday cake is more or less a bastardization of dessert. Um, <laughs> what else? Salads disappointing every time I eat it. Um, oh my god! Oh, I have such a good one. This is the pantheon of disappointing okay. foods. Okay, and this is going to take the cake. I don't know if I can name five, but I can tell you the top one for sure. Okay. And, and you'll be able to appreciate this um, as someone that grew up in Connecticut, and so I'm sure you have been to Midtown Manhattan at some point in your life. Yes. Okay, you know the you know the roasted nuts that mm-hmm. they sell on the street that smell so intoxicating. Those like cinnamon cinnamony roasted almond nuts. Yeah. You know. Okay, so those smell amazing, but then. <laughs> Inevitably, when you break down and buy them, they're not that good. <laughs> I, 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 so can, that is I have a really I, disappointing one yeah. for me. I fully endorse that. That is an absolutely, that is an absolutely true statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I also don't like coleslaw, and I'm really not a fan of the like the consistency of cottage cheese. But that's hmm. that's about all. You know, the negative talk I'm going to do about food. I think that. <laughs> You said you couldn't do five. You just dropped five. That's perfect. I know. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. Well, I came through in the clutch. I don't strength, think, you know, strength under pressure. Clutch player, but yeah. I guess I am. We there all you go. Good in the room. The 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 hardest <laughs> iron is forged hard, in the, the hottest. <laughs> the the sharpest iron's forged in the hottest of fires. That's that's perfect. Um, so, uh, Katie, uh, we all realize that uh, you're very, very important, and you have much more important things to do than talk to two lemmings like Peter and myself. But uh, we did want to take this opportunity to once again thank you very much for coming on to our uh, humble program here. Uh, for those of you who are still woefully lost, I'm going to say it once more. Follow Katie Strang at Katie J. Strang, spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, uh, Pete, I'm I'm really looking forward to the streak being broken. Like the next person, we're like, yeah, you know, we're here to talk to um, 
Bob McKenzie at, uh, you know, he, he's got a pretty good one, you know, at TSN, Bob McKenzie, you know, but I'm just waiting for the really, really bad Twitter handle to happen, and it's going to break my heart. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so uh, once again, this is our uh, humble opportunity to uh, plug The Athletic once more. Uh, that's where you can find all of Katie's fantastic work, among others. Um, I, Pete, I don't know when we signed the deal to start exclusively having athletic people interview for this program, but um, I'm really glad that that's uh, at least uh, a drawing point for for people. So uh, please follow Katie on the internet. Please follow her on 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 the on the twitters. Um, I don't follow her. Maybe don't follow her in real life. That's kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe like announce like, hey, like say say hello first. Don't just follow people around. Um, <laughs> So, uh, Katie, thank you once again. And as Pete said, we're definitely going to have you on again because, you know. Uh, I'd love to. You're, again, you leave, right now you're in dire straits. you really got to find something to do. So we're happy to fill the void <laughs> that is uh, your lifestyle. So Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to coming back. Once again, we thank Katie for stopping by our lovely program here. Um, we look forward to interviewing her once more. So uh, this obviously is the back half of our fun segments that we'd like to do uh, for all of you lovely fans out there. So we'd like to start our uh, uh, back end here talking about another jersey reveal. Yes, I as the uh, jersey man. Yes, we already made the pun in the last episode about how Peter is the true jersey man, but I am the theoretical and true uh, jersey man. Uh, the Winnipeg Jacks recently revealed their alternate jerseys. It seems like every team is kind of waiting, like every doing a professional courtesy of uh, letting teams unveil their stuff, and then two weeks goes by, and then another team will unveil the unveil theirs, and so on and so forth. So it was the Jets' time to unveil their thing, and gosh, I don't, I have no idea what to, what what to think of these things. Um, it's the Pete, it actually looks like someone tore the uh, crest off of the first Penguins Winter Classic jersey and just slapped the Jets word mark from their uh, from one of their shoulder patches, I believe, because it's mm. they've got like a basically a block lettering Winnipeg and then the script of uh, Jets nestled underneath it. So it looks like they just got rid of the Winnipeg part and just had Jets in in lettering. So um, it's it's a logo that's never existed. Uh, it doesn't really tie into their history too much. I would say um, with, with good reason. Well, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, it's not like, right, because that is the weird part, isn't it? I know the answer is obviously yes, but yeah. think of how the Jets went to Arizona, the Thrashers then went to Winnipeg. So if the Jets were going to do a throwback, technically they would have to do a Thrashers throwback slash alternate we're Which still would not actually a, be awesome. <laughs> it, I think I think it would be kind of awesome, but maybe maybe the hockey world isn't ready for that yet. They obviously weren't ready for it when they were actually a thing. So yeah. maybe maybe later on when they think back with fonder memories, they can you know tolerate a remixed Thrasher uh, look. But you know that's that's the weird part because the Coyotes, uh, you know they they've unveiled the Kachina jerseys as as, as their third this year. Which is funny because theoretically they could have done a Jets throwback. So, you know, there's there's some confusing history in the in the Jersey realm. But um, yeah, I, this one seems kind of weird. Seems like something you'd make in a create a player mode. Um, but uh, you know, I'm sure with my favorite player on that team, Patrick Lainez, I'm sure his uh, I'm sure his name and number will make the jersey look better. 
but uh, I don't know. Peter, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I was I was thinking because um, I I recently uh, pre-ordered the uh, the new Red Dead Redemption game, and since it's from Rockstar, the uh, one of the things that you get if you pre-order it is you get a a, a virtual card or whatever uh, for Grand Theft Auto Five with like eighteen million dollars or whatever it is. I don't know. It's enough to buy you like a small boat or something, and. My, my my immediate thought was that oh wait did I did I get this jersey for my character with the pre-order as well because <laughs> it, it it looks like like it looks like something that you like uh like your your online character in, in GTA 5 would would wear as uh you know part of like a you know sporty pack or whatever uh if they're you're releasing new new outfits um I I will say this I will say this that I absolutely love the color of it, like the blue. Like that's that's probably that that's my favorite color. Is is like either that shade of blue or very very close to it, kind of like a royal blue. Like that that is that is definitely my favorite color. Um, and as for the rest of it, I will say that I really like the color. It's really good. <laughs> so um, yes, yes, a, a a fantastic assessment from from my from my cohort here. Um, I, I I certainly don't think this is the last alternate jersey that the Jets will ever do. We all know that that's something that the league or and or the teams will never uh, stop trying to turn into more reasons for fans to throw their money into the coffer. Um, so, like I said, I think with names and numbers on it, maybe it'll grow on me a little bit. Maybe it'll be nicer, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's a curious one. It's it's the, I think it's the most curious one that's been unveiled. Uh, thus far, um, you know, obviously everything is going to be taking playing settle second fiddle to the to the Ducks alternate that they uh, that they're oh, coming yeah. out with. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting year for uh, for when these teams both play for when these teams play each other wearing their their alternate stuff because they um, they look. The, I, I think even with the Jets thing, I mean, somebody posted a picture recently of a bunch of I think it was from an All Star game back in the. 70s this was when sparky anderson was still with the reds and just the just the kaleidoscope of colors that the baseball jerseys were at that time like this one picture is basically like the all-star team picture just everything just screamed exactly the era that it was from it was a very nice photo and i was thinking to myself gosh wouldn't it be cool if we had photos like that but like currently like imagine imagine taves and uh, Crosby playing against each other in like super old school Penguins unis and Blackhawks unis, right? Like, like it'd be really cool if the, uh, you know, if the Sharks were like uh, Oakland Seals uh, uh, unis against the the new alternate St. Louis Blues ones. You know, another another uh, NHL expansion series. There's there's a lot of cool stuff that that is coming out of these uh, uh, jersey reveals, and I'm I'm excited to see where. They all end up um, speaking up. We don't know what the Red Wings are going to do. We don't know if the Red Wings are going to even have one. Um, I, in the back of my mind, think that they could have one. Um, but uh, I think in the in the grand scheme of things, when we all talk about things we like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously that is our Jersey update for everyone out there. I know you're just dying for us to talk about it, a.k.a. me to talk about it, and then Pete offers two cents. Because I'm kind of a weirdo with jerseys, but 
Um, we we are going to close out our episode this week with the news of Henrik Zetterberg suffering from a degenerative back injury that has now forced him to retire from this from this wonderful game of hockey. And it is uh, Pete. It was the the cats stuck on the roof routine. You know, it's what you tell your grandparents. It's what you tell your parents. Hey, you know, the cat's stuck up there. Ah, well, you know, uh, we can't get up there. All the ladder's broken. Uh, but then all of a sudden, yeah, the cat's been dead for a while. So um, this was not news that people weren't expecting, but it was still tough to accept uh, when it was made official. Um, when last we heard about it, Pete, it was a uh, he's going to miss training camp and the start of the season, maybe try and rehab for – being done and even from him himself he said that i don't want this to be the way i go out and then today on a friday news dump uh yeah, just as training camp begins for the red wings uh ken holland announces that uh hank is uh not gonna be playing hockey anymore it's really rough um i'm sure most people will have prepared some remarks by this time uh but i myself maybe largely an amateur, uh, was still kind of holding out hope that maybe this was something that, you know, maybe half a season of rehab could at least give him one ride into the sunset type season. But uh, based on what Henrik said today and what uh, doctors have said, it's a uh, it's a condition that uh, is uh, dangerous and this is a quality of life call. And um, I respect him for it. I think it is the right decision. It's really tough. I mean, think of all the players that have been forced to, to stop playing the game they love so much due to uh, debilitating injury. Mickey Redmond, Bobby Orr. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's Mike Bossy. Mike, 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 <laughs> yes, Mike Bossy, Mary Lemieux. There's, there's a lot of players that, um, you know, not saying they have had, you know, decades left to, to wow the world, but there are obviously a bunch of years that, these players uh, we wish we could still have with them. So, um, Peter, your your thoughts uh, in the uh, immediacy of the announcement of uh, Hank hanging him up? Yeah, I mean, it, it's like you said. Uh, I think the, the the last article on the Wingen and Motown site before today about this was, was one that I wrote, so I, I remember it. Um, and no, <laughs> yes. no, no, I'm saying like, yeah. you know, I, I remember, I remember the details of it and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like earth shattering, any kind of earth shattering analysis for me. It was basically just a compilation of what people had said. Um, and like, you know, like basically like, like there's been kind of a theory floated, um, which I, I definitely think had merit. Like, I, I certainly don't want to make it sound like I don't think that this was like a like a logical idea because I, I wasn't sure if I really bought into it, but I definitely thought it was a, a credible theory, which was that the, the talk this summer about Zetterberg potentially not being able to play, et cetera, was kind of like a like a long game uh, because they you know, like, like the idea was like, hopefully he could play one more season. And then next, next summer he would, you know, do the LTIR retirement. Um, And and then again, like, I totally understand that. Like, uh, even though it turned out not to be true, like, I I do think that, you know, it was a credible theory. It made, it made a lot of sense. Um, But obviously now we see that that's that, you know, that wasn't the case. And one thing that's kind of bothered me a little bit today is, 
you know, I, I've seen I've seen some a lot of people say on Twitter, you know, kind of point to which again I totally understand part of it, I guess. You know, point to you know the fact that his you know his contract is is structured in this way, which it a hundred percent was. I mean, this was you know he he was basically quote unquote supposed to retire one of these next few next couple seasons like like he he never intent like his contract was never intended to be fulfilled all the way to its end exactly um, it's that was the yeah this is we're talking about the the fabled uh, cap circumventing contract that right. raised so many eyebrows so yeah, yeah absolutely and, and i mean and again like i've said in the past like at the time it was legal at the time this kind of contract was legal and i like i understand sometimes people can be cynical and skeptical. I mean, I am, it's funny because I am, I am definitely the eternal optimist, but I am also an eternal cynic, uh, which is kind of a strange combination, but it's, yes, it is actually. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like it it is true. Like I, I, I'm always kind of trying to look for the best, but then I'm also able to see like the worst explanation, if that makes sense. So, um, like I do understand, like, like I saw some, you know, some people today kind of, almost making like, I don't want to say snarky because I don't really think I saw anybody being like snarky about it. Um, And and this is, this is again, this is not really Red Wings fans. This is like outside observers, but they were, you know, kind of the implication is like, Oh, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You can't play anymore. Whereas I, I, I think that from everything that we know, I think it's a legitimate thing. Like, I don't think he's exaggerating. I think he literally can't play anymore. Um, If you, if you if, if if our listeners, if you haven't heard it yet, um, if you listen to Craig Custance's podcast, The Full 60, he has a great interview. I think it's a couple episodes ago with the Swedish national team coach, and they talk about this. And if if memory serves, I think like the idea is like I think he's like missing a disc in his back. Like he literally doesn't have one uh, because of the surgery that they did to allow him to play the last few seasons, basically. And. I mean, like, if this is some kind of like a con, like where he's exaggerating, like it's it's one of the most well done in human history uh, because like <laughs> yeah. there are so many people that have no incentive to be a part of it who are quote unquote telling the same story. You know, I think so. I understand why some people might look at it and say like, oh yeah, he's you know he's exaggerating to get out of you know so that he doesn't have to play this year where he won't make as much money as he has in the past. But I, I, I do think that that really does a disservice. I, I do think that that's really, I don't know. I, I kind of see that as disrespectful because I think based on what we know, I think it's clear that this is a legitimate thing. You know, this, th- this is a legitimate injury that is legitimately causing him what, you know, what is being reported. So I mean, you know, yeah, like, yeah, that's I'll... been my only negative for today, I think, you know, because there's been a lot of really great, you know, remembrance posts, et cetera, like where people are posting videos, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like that kind of kind of put left a bad taste in my mouth, I guess I should say that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, and what stinks is it's also not exactly unwarranted because of the Marion Hosa situation. So, like, I can't really blame people for asking it, but I think with some actual, you know, research and um actually asking around you'd arrive at the already very obvious conclusion is that this this is an ailment that's been his thing you know i think every player has that one 
type of injury that just happens to be the the hand they were dealt in in terms of their professional uh, athleticism that is always going to hamper them. It's always a knee. It's always an arm. It's always a shoulder. It's always a foot. You know, Forsberg's feet. I mean, you could write decades of uh, ridiculous stories about like the lengths that he was willing to go to to try and fix just how screwed up his feet were. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, and and again, so I think if you know, Hosa's situation is. I think that one's probably the 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 most dubious as of late, especially since he was also part of the type of contract that he signed to. Because it's like really a condition we never really heard about before. Not saying he couldn't get it, right? I'm not saying he couldn't get it, but automatically when it's something that nobody's ever heard of, obviously skepticism will will reign supreme. And obviously with the Hawks trying to either get into a better cap situation the dominoes fell pretty conveniently to give credence to that type of narrative. But, you know, you don't see, you know, it's not like Hosa is out skiing the Alps, right? Like it, he's obviously being affected by something. So yeah, the, the, the Zetterberg injury was something that if you're a Red Wings fan, you knew, you knew a lot about, but you also didn't want to give too much credence to because you still love the way the guy played. You still love the way that he contributed and led the team. You know, it's a it's a say it ain't so type thing, but you knew the we all kind of knew the writing was on the wall. We just didn't know how it was going to happen. But you know, it kind of stinks now, Pete, that Datsuk leaves due to uh, contract miscommunication or non caring, and Zetterberg has to leave because it is threatening his health. You know, these are not the exits that we wanted for these all time greats for our team. Which makes it sad, right? Like I think if there was a sadness we wanted to choose, it would be the you know the the, the giddy up season that Yager did, right? You know, hey, one more, once more into the breach, and have everybody shake his hand and do that stuff. You know, now at the end of the day, remember he's not dead, right? right. He's not he's not leaf, he's not terminally ill from this injury. He's just not able to play hockey anymore, and you know, and being a father, he obviously wants to be able to be physically active with his kids. And, um, so I think this is a phenomenal, I, do I want him around the team? Yeah, sure. I think it'd be really cool. But just as the case with Lidstrom and other players that have departed, you go where your family is, you go where you're needed most. And I think for Hank, that's in Sweden. So I think he's probably going to be around for a little bit to, you know, offer tutelage and give tips and be around, you know, I don't know if they, you know, if there was somebody that I wanted to actually be, um, a fast track to an advisory role. I think it'd be Hank, you know, that'd be, I think it'd be a phenomenal voice to continue to have around, especially with all the talent that's coming up, dude. I mean, think that I, I, it, it also stinks because at the thought of a Rasmussen and a Zadina not being able to, as you know, not like saying he's the second he goes to Sweden, he's going to be incommunicado, right? Like not like they can pick up a phone or anything, but obviously the hands on and face FaceTime with, with these uh, great players will have a, a demonstrable effect. It's if, you know, you see the way Larkin's talked about them, right? Like there's, there's the, and the, like, and Custon said this too. It's not just, this doesn't just affect the wings. It affects the league. It affects everybody that played against us. It affects how, you know, we're, Zetterberg is basically being credited with being the ultimate competitor that forced the Blackhawks to stop being idiots and actually be a good team to win the Stanley cup. Like, that's that's a that is and to quote Nicolas Cage, that's high praise. You know, <laughs> that's that's big. And 
you know, I, I, I tweeted this earlier, but um, just the, it, it, we, we all have our favorite moments. Um, you know, mine was a, uh, just a, a day or so after the Wings Cup Parade, I went to go pick up some friends from the airport and uh, they were telling me about their trip and, da, 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 and then they said, hey, so what did you do while we were gone? And I said, oh, I saw Hank Zetterberg wear the Con Smythe as a hat. And they all just like dropped silent. And then they said, okay, that's better than our trip. Because <laughs> they actually did, they went like to, a, they went like to Cuba or, or went to Costa Rica or something. Like a really, like a really apparently nice place. But the second I come back and say like, hey, I saw, you know, our star assistant captain uh, wearing uh, one of the NHL trophies as a, as a hat. I mean, can't really beat that. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. So, so before we wrap up, you know, uh, obviously both of us are, are going to miss Henrik Zetterberg, uh, dearly, um, you know, for all of his his accomplishments, uh, in his career, uh, before the last few years when it's obviously been a lot harder, um, it's, 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 it would be really hard not to have respect for, the way that he's carried himself uh, in representing the team during these last few difficult years. Um, if they're, you know, if, if, if the team loses, he is always out there uh, giving the interviews, answering the tough questions and sometimes the ridiculous questions. And, you know, he, he's always been, he's always been a stand up guy. He's always been, you know, that, that leader uh, that the team needs. And so, in one way, it's it's interesting because we're going to be moving into a different era, and you know, especially after having last year's uh, draft class, uh, you know, the future is definitely exciting. But at the same time, it's um, you know, it's it, it's pretty much the same thing. Anytime somebody like this, you know, something like this happens, or um, even though obviously, like, it's not exactly the same because he's he's stopping, you know, he's he's not going to play anymore, but. For me, it's like the same thing when like uh, like an actor that I love, you know, passes away because I know it's like I'm never going to get to see a new movie with that person um, or, you know, a, a great novelist that I that I that I really admire or a band like I'm never going to hear another. I'm never going to hear another new song by them um, like it reminds me of uh the feeling I had when, when David Carr, uh, the New York times journalist died. Um, I, I just admired him so much. And like, I, I loved his writing so much. Uh, I loved reading his stories. Um, I thought he was incredibly interesting in the, uh, the documentary page one, which was uh, a look behind the scenes of the New York times. And, you know, just to realize I'll never get another David Carr article is just really hard to process, I think. And so, yeah. you know, it, like, it's the same thing, obviously, even, you know, of course, you know, David Carr died and Henrik Zetterberg obviously hasn't, but it's, it's the same thing. Like, I'm never going to see another highlight real play by him or anything like that. And like, it's, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. And, and not only that, Pete, I think that's the other part that I think people struggle with sometimes when this type of thing happens, because you obviously want to prepare yourself for when something like this happens, you know, like it's like when Kobe was like, okay, this is the last day I'm going to play. People were like, okay, whew, I know the, I now have the finite number in my head of how long I can see this guy play. Whereas the Hank thing, like a lot of people watched whatever his last game was and didn't know that was his last game. Right. 
And so now they're, you know, I, it, it kind of stinks. And, and I'm not trying to say this in like a selfish, like, damn you, Zetterberg, for yeah. not letting me know that's your last game, you jerk. But uh, I, I think now looking back, you know, I'll probably try and go through some of the photos because I'm pretty sure I worked um, the last game last year. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to remark on a little bit because I, I've got a tons of, of – you know, I, I work in sports. I've watched video of this guy for his entire career, his literally his entire career. He might be the first guy that I've, uh, the first player that I've probably seen from start to, you know, sad but still smart finish um, to kind of see his entire career right right in front of my eyes. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. And, and not only that, just like to be able to be so close to it as well. I mean, I've seen obviously a bunch of other guys with this, you know, witness the beginnings and ends of other players, but yeah, um, yeah. It, I I have a signed jersey by him. I have a signed stick by him. I've kept them in, you know, kind of in the closet, kind of tucked away. But you know, maybe it's time to frame these guys. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 before. You know, I maybe thought about wearing them, but you know, I think it's time to to actually give these things the rightful place they deserve in my. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, sport collection and and uh, you know, heck, I I would like to think that he'll be around for opening night, you know, and maybe maybe have him drop the puck, do something nice, you know, just to, you know, obviously we don't want him because right now he's up in Traverse City, and then you know where he goes after that, obviously is entirely up to him. But uh, you know, if there's if there was one way I'd like to start the season, it'd be to see Hank being like, listen, I'm I'm sorry I can't do this anymore, but. But please know that you know I'm I'm here. I, I that you guys are the best at it, and I'm sure something like that could would happen, um, regardless. But um, I just I miss them already, and this news happened today. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I like I can't admit, like I already want to hop on to uh, to NHL. 19 and uh try and like f- like find his card or start a dynasty and just max out his stats and never let him get injured and i just like you know like this is the last game that we'll probably use him in until t- t- 10 years from now when he has his own nhl legends card yeah so um yeah they yeah. it's we are in for some interesting times <laughs> okay yeah and um you know i mean i think this is definitely uh you know, we, we could probably keep going for a half hour at least talking about Zetterberg. Um, but um, the wound is still fresh. Yeah, we need time to heal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, real quickly, before we close out our show, I just wanted to give a quick plug um, for uh, well, for a couple things that that are related to each other. Uh, so next episode. Uh, a lot of times we don't tell you what's what's coming up because, uh, you know, with booking guests, especially guests that are you know, relatively in demand, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to nail down a time. And sometimes like, you know, we, you know, they say they're going to do it and then it's, it's like, we have to figure out a time and sometimes it doesn't work out for the next episode, but um, you know, we're, we're pretty confident that we are going to have next episode. We're going to have uh, another returning guest. Uh, I think this will be the third one, right? Cause we had Chris Watkins and then Craig Custance. And so uh, Dom Luce Chisholm uh, from the athletic is going to make, his triumphant return. Um, if you've been following Twitter, basically every day he has been uh, putting out projections about uh, how your favorite team is going to do and basically bearing the wrath of every fan base one day at a time. Uh, so he's kind of on like the Corey Pronman schedule. Uh, 
<laughs> and but, but like the thing I wanted to plug in, we'll definitely talk about this with him too. Um, but what I want to plug is for uh, for Dom, he has these really fantastic uh, fantasy hockey projections. And depending on what type of a league you're in, there's different options. And the cheapest option is $3. The most expensive one is $12. Um, and actually, really, the most expensive one is $9. But he has another option to pay $3 extra because I believe I'm correct in this. Like the first $2,500 goes to charity. Um, so, you know, some of it is is fundraising for you know, for charities that he supports. Um, but they are, they are fantastic. It's, it's, it's a really helpful tool if you're playing fantasy hockey and we are getting close to that. So um, we're going to talk to him. Um, our plan is to talk to him next week, uh, next weekend. And then we'll probably have an episode for you in a week, right? Normally we're every two weeks, but with the season approaching, we wanted to make sure that we got this kind of season preview edition out to you you know, with plenty of time before the season started. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so you're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, so thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter. Right, so I am at P Flynn hockey. Jay is at the roar underscore 24. Our podcast is at 200 foot pod, which is two zero zero F T P O D. If you want to uh, buy some of our merch, it is, uh, at tinyurl.com slash for shirts, which is F E R S H I R T. There's t shirts and hoodies and pillows and notebooks and all sorts of stuff. Um, and you know, we do get a small portion of that, a uh, small portion of that. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's really good deals and it's really high quality stuff. So, um, you know, give that a look if you're interested in supporting the podcast. Um, so, uh, with all that done, I mean, we're ready to close out. So, Jay, do you have do you have any final thing? I'm trying to remember if we're still just leave just leave me with my sadness. Okay, that's all. I, that's all I have. That's all I have left. <laughs> okay. Um. So we'll uh, be strong, everybody. We're we're here for you, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the as the kids say the flippity flip. The flip Why did I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that should be like the tagline for our show, like like for our, our podcast. Why did I just say that? Yep. Uh, there we go. All right. So enjoy. Uh, we will be back at you. Our plan is to be back at you in one week's time instead of two weeks, uh, so you won't have to wait too long. Uh, so thanks a lot for listening. See you later. This important faceoff as they all are out to the line. Conwall. Hands it off. Zetterberg hammers one. Here's scores! Zetterberg! And we will have a game seven in Anaheim. We've talked about Zetterberg since the opening of the show. No goals in this series coming in. Had a big one. In the third, and none bigger than that here in the overtime. Nobody has more playoff points in the National Hockey League since 02-03 when Zetterberg came into the league. Time after time, he has just delivered in these big moments. And that one goes across Hiller. Hard to tell if it deflects off something on the way through. But again, it starts with the face-off win after Boudreaux had called the timeout with the icing call. Applicator setting the screen, and the hero, Henrik Zetterberg.